Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. Wonderful. Well, we are um, taking an an intentional um, opportunity, I suppose, in the month of June to slow down and to practice rest, practice going slower and um, just being. If you um, received the church newsletter this week, you would have saw that I wrote a little bit about, you know, the nature of seasons and and being um, the people of God. Like the people of God have always been Sabbath people. We've always been marked by a peculiar orientation to time where we acknowledge that we can rest and we can trust God and that life does not depend on endless hustle and productivity and busyness and achieving. And yet we live in a world that really um, drives us towards those things and it's hard to slow down. And I know like talking to lots and lots of people both inside and outside the church, like many people actually really appreciated COVID as a kind of corporate enforced slowdown and we experienced a change of pace that was thrust upon us. It came with lots of challenges in other ways, but you know, I, there was lots of articles written and people talking about, you know, how we, you know, we won't go back to normal. You know, we, <laughs> we'll resist. And what's happened? I don't know about you, but our life feels, you know, just as busy as it did before. And that's part of actually what life is in a way. Um, and I, I like, so, so doing this together uh, for a month and just talking about it and not just talking about it, but practicing it by next weekend, having like a space, having a Sabbath rest as a community gives us the opportunity to not just be one individual person railing against the pace of life and attempting to make an individual change. But sometimes with these kinds of things, it helps to be a community who communally together practices an alternate way of being because they talk about this this kind of thing when you're faced with attempting to live a different way in light of a large cultural norm whether it's like to do with social media or distraction or pace or it doesn't really matter what it is but to be an individual is actually a really difficult way to hold a line but communities of people operating differently um actually have a greater chance of living differently than just an individual. So that's what we're doing this month. So tonight, we're going to um, just talk about slowing down. And I, you know, when I think about, oh, oh, like, let's, um, I've got this beautiful Bible verse that I know many people are very familiar with, and it's the message translation of this, this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 11. And it is a beautiful poetic way that Eugene Peterson um, chose to translate this, uh, these words of Jesus, but Jesus said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion or life? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And there's this beautiful invitation in the words of those scriptures that just invites us to 
trust in God, to lean upon God, to know that God takes us forward into rest, that God's longing for our life is not hurry and rush, but there's a pace to God and the pace is slow. Uh, God's often a lot slower than we want, um, sometimes a lot slower than we like, but he's a patient God and he's slow in many ways, which is, which is a good thing. And so we're just going to tonight um, have, I've asked six different people to share um, how they have practiced slowing down um, in their life or how life has invited them in towards slowing down through the idea of recognizing that there are speed humps in life. Um, and I, I think I've got some the next slide. Yeah, that, they're, they're, that speed humps on a road are, well, they're not really an invitation to slow down. They're more of a command. And you don't have to, but your car might actually experience some wear and tear if you don't. Um, but there are speed humps in life, and some of them are natural, natural speed humps, natural things that slow us down. I think winter all around the world, like globally, winter is an invitation to slow down. Nature slows down. Um, in climates where winter is more harsh than what it is here, uh, people have to slow down. You can't live at the same pace in winter. Um, holidays and different rhythms of life are natural kind of speed humps where we're invited to slow ourselves down and lean in. Then there are unexpected speed humps in life, things that may have not been um, yet wanted, but they have happened. And they include things like illness or injury, death or loss of different kinds. When, when those sorts of things interrupt us, it's an uninvited speed hump. And often the response that is like energised in us is one that really needs to slow down. Um, and not live at the same pace. And then, of course, there are intentional speed humps, which are, which are things that we put in our life to intentionally slow us down, recognising that if we didn't have these things, our lives would just roll on and on and on at a, at a maybe too fast a pace. And so a lot of spiritual practice is designed to help us slow down, slow down our inner world and our outer world. Um, boundaries and saying no to things are an intentional way of slowing our lives down. And just different life choices that we make, um, we can use those as intentional ways to, to slow down. So what I'd like us to have um, here this afternoon is, so I have asked six people and I've said they've got three minutes to share. So I might need a timekeeper because I don't have one and I will just listen. I'm a listener. So if you talk for, if six people talk for, I'll just be happy. I'll just listen. But, you know, I'm thinking of the kids' church workers. <laughs> I need to be mindful of them. So I know it's like, slow down, but do it in three minutes. So I know it's very much an oxymoron. But I, I just thought um, it'd be good to hear from different people about how things in their life have um, slowed them down. So I've asked Kate or Kate and Andrew or Kate or Andrew to talk about winter because um, they've just moved to Australia, but from Indiana, where winter is a real thing, um, unlike, you know, here, where winter is everyone else's summer on other parts of the, <laughs> the globe. Um, I've asked Brian and Karen to talk about the, um, their practice of pilgrimage and walking as an in intentional way that they've slowed down. And I've asked Fiona to share some of her practices that she has. So she has some quite creative practices in her life that 
are invitational for her to slow down. I've asked Peter to share how the reality of having a stroke was a rather unexpected speed hump in his life. And I've asked Linda to share some of the ways in which um, bumping up against death and grief have been an invitation for her to slow down. So I'd like us just to listen and to consider here this afternoon what the Spirit of God might be saying to each one of us as we listen to these people's experiences and stories. And yeah, so I have no particular order. Someone can volunteer. And I, you don't have to come out the front. Be, I think I'd be happy for you to just sit and um, share from where you are if that feels most comfortable. Do I have a volunteer? Oh, okay. Do you want to do you want to come out the front or do you want to sit there? <laughs> Hello. Um, hi. Um, so recently, Andrew and I moved back from Indiana, um, not far from Chicago area. If you kind of know where that is, in the middle, in the Midwest, and. Um, I grew up here in Wollongong on the coast. Um, winter was really hard for me. I really struggled. I, on reflection, I think um, a really rocky relationship. I, could, I guess I could call winter um, just a really, really hard friendship that, um, she would come every winter. <laughs> She'd come every um, November knocking on our door. And I, yeah, it was really fun to visit her <laughs> for a holiday, you know, a week here, a month there. Oh, isn't the snow nice? Oh, look at the icicles. Um, but the real learning and growing for me was... Um, living the rhythm of the seasons and realizing I cannot escape her when she comes. And um, it was really hard at first. I resisted her. Um, she made me cry a lot, having small children, wanting to play in the snow and then getting them in the car and the coats and the frozen doors that you couldn't figure out how to unlock them and then the car's beeping and the kids are crying and then getting, pulling over and not realizing there's a snowbank there and suddenly I'm stuck with my crying kids in the car. It, it was just hard for me. And it never, it felt like winter never ended. <laughs> Cause it was five, it was probably five months I would say it's five months. Um, but over the time I, I decided to lean in to see what she could teach me. And I had a lot of growth. <laughs> um, it was really, yeah, it was a struggle every year to welcome her, but it ended up being good and, um, Yes, a lot of staring out of the window into the barren trees, a lot of gritting my teeth and salting the driveway and salting the stairs and um, 
actually enjoying when the school rang and said, no, school's cancelled because it's too cold for your kids to be outside today. You're like, hmm, cool, we'll just be in our pyjamas all day. Um, having snow days and embracing those. Um, yeah, there's so much more to say, but um, she taught me a lot and <laughs> I'm not going to miss her though. <laughs> No. <laughs> that's so, that's so, that's so foreign to us, you know, so foreign to have an experience where your life is so um, dictated by weather and how to embrace what's so far beyond our control. Who wants to go next? So, um, can you believe it? It was two months, two years ago this month that I had a stroke. Um, and in the months prior to the stroke, I'd been working part-time as a handyman, at being a recovering civil engineer, as I told people this morning. Um, in my retirement, I was working a bit as a handyman. I'd been camping, canoeing, hiking, cycling and playing squash, among other things. So initially, when I had the stroke, I was fully paralysed on my right side. I was fully dependent on nursing staff to do absolutely everything for me. Um, but I slowly got a few things back. Um, I was expecting it would all come back. It was a slow realisation for me and took a while to accept that some of the brain damage that I incurred from the stroke is permanent and I won't get everything back. Um, and so the enforced rest of three months in Port Campbell Hospital was not something that I easily embraced. Um, but God did let me know in that time, and I've shared this before, that even though my body was broken, I was okay. And the phrase, it is well with my soul, was my theme song. Um, so in that time, it's unlike me, but I turned to worship music as a way to connect with God and uh, a more relaxed practice of God's presence. So I've had to let go of lots of things, all those physical activities, driving, being the one in control, accepting help initially for absolutely everything. And uh, I, st I still need help with some things, but uh, I'm actually learning to drive again with a modified vehicle. Um, I got paddling in a kayak the other day for the first time, so things are, things are looking good. Um, Along the way, I've had to learn some self-compassion, not to be so hard on myself, and to recognise and accept that some of the things just take time. My recovery often, to me, feels too slow, like watching grass grow, and I've been learning to accept that and work with it. And I get to look for the small wins and um, have an attitude of gratitude for the, all the little good things that happen to me, and there are many. I feel quite blessed, to be honest. I should have more time to spend with God in this new life, but it all gets spent on other things like physio and cycling on my new recumbent bike and lobbying for justice issues, which I'm getting a bit involved in, and house stuff with a handyman helper every week, and church treasurer and excite tandem secretary. So I've got 
plenty of things to keep me out of mischief and keep me distracted from spending time with God and being actually slower. And I've set myself a goal to be able to walk without that walking stick by the end of the year. And the physio is saying, oh, you might be able to, we'll, we'll work towards it. But I've come to realise over the last few months that I think God has a bigger goal for me and that's to uh, learn to walk with him more closely and use this season as a time to do that. So there's, the, there's my two goals out of all of this. But yeah, slowing down has been enforced and um, I'm reluctant to embrace it, but I have. <laughs> That's great. Was that a, I'll go next? Yeah. <laughs> I saw the eyebrows, I wasn't sure what they meant. <laughs> we should do this together because we sort of follow on from one another. Yeah. Do we, do we want to stand out the front or do you want to sit from... Oh, don't you want an audience? <laughs> I want an audience. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Uh, I wrote this down because I've got three minutes and without writing it down, we could be here for a while. <sighs> uh, I didn't so much choose to slow down. I wasn't even aware of how frantic life had become. Slowing, slowing down came as, a, came as a necessity that I didn't know I needed. Life, and even my life of faith, expected me to be busy, engaged and productive. And my church reminded me of that quite often. Slowing down as an idea and a practice came over a period of time. It didn't come as a direct message from God. If it had back then, I probably would have dismissed it as just some crazy thoughts. After all, aren't we supposed to be busy for the kingdom? Slowing down came through the inside of my doctor and the wise counsel of friends. Still, it took a while, years in fact. I engaged a mentor who became more of a spiritual director who suggested meditation to me which slowed my mind a little. I quit my job and focused on my own health and sense of well-being. And it was a job that had no boundaries. I could, I could keep going all day, every day. And I did sometimes until I couldn't. Central Church became a welcoming and nurturing place. You guys contributed to that just your being and, and some of the things that were said and done here. And walking became a thing. And walking still remains a thing for us. In uh, 2017, Karen and I were planning on an overseas holiday. Uh, she wanted to go to interesting places and I wanted to do significant things. From somewhere, we came across the idea of a walking pilgrimage. I, I really can't remember where it came from. I, I just cannot recall where the idea popped up. I had never heard of it before, or if I had, I had dismissed it as, as one of those Catholic things. And um, yeah, so I, I don't know what happened. So we, uh, we went to Europe, went to Portugal and walked the Camino Portuguese. It changed our lives and our life together. Camino taught us to take one day at a time, 
Camino took it, taught us to take one step at a time on occasion. Walking has simplified our lives. Walking has slowed us down. Walking has given us time for reflection. We don't always take it, but we've got the time there if we so choose to use it. Well, me anyway. Walking has created time and space for the spirit to continue to work in us. Walking has opened up a broader, deeper perspective to our lives of faith. Now I'm learning to do life at a walking pace. didn't check notes. <laughs> so I looked up the Cambridge Dictionary um, definition of pilgrimage. Um, it's a trip, often a long one, made to a holy place for religious reasons. I guess that's what we're doing, but um, for me it's more the intentional setting aside of time to draw near to God and to give him the opportunity to speak into my life, into our lives, and to do this at a walking pace. Um, there's something about slowing down to a walking pace that gives my mind the space to see more clearly the things around me and inside me, and through that, to have a closeness to my Creator, the giver of all life. So in April, we had the privilege and the opportunity to go to Spain and walk a small pilgrimage to Santiago, which was a six, just a six-day um, walk. On the morning of the fourth day, I injured my toe and had to give up walking. I had to f make alternate uh, plans to get to our destination each day as I couldn't walk and carry my bag. So it was taxi or bus for me. Um, this was not how we'd planned it. But it was how it was, and it was another, like it was a speed hump that was put there that we didn't choose. But it, I, it somehow, it felt okay. Like I wasn't disappointed or upset, but I, I took it as an opportunity just to slow down even more. <laughs> um, I had no great revelation although I did come home and quit my job, so maybe something like <laughs> <laughs> But I feel different somehow. I feel changed, and I'm continuing to change. Long may it continue. Um, the topic I'm talking on is a very emotional topic, and so if anybody's here that is experiencing any grief or loss, I hope that you will look after yourself um, during my talk and after as well. So um, a lot of you have known that I have had experience of death and the first experience in my life ever of death was losing a child at seven days old and um, actually um, living at a, in a time and in my family where they were, let's get over this, let's not talk about it, go back to work, have another baby soon, and that was it. No, it wasn't like, I think my husband took me to buy new clothes, a whole new wardrobe or something like that. And so um, when I actually lost my son at 22 years old, I decided there and then that I was going to do death really slow. 
and that no one was going to rush me, no one was going to tell me what to do, and that I would just do this with God at a pace that would suit myself and God. And I can say that it was the most intimate time with God during those months and years that followed. Um, I know um, I've just been looking at um, how long it, they went into mourning in the Victorian times, and it was two years that they actually went into mourning. And in the Edwardian times, it was four years that they actually went into mourning, particularly the women. And they were all dressed in black, and there was no um, going out for some of them and all of that. So they knew how to slow the pace down, and here we are, you know, just kind of living a totally different sort of life. But um, when I decided to um, go slow after Pat died, it was an interesting thing because you can't go back and you don't want to go forward, so you sat right in the midst of the grief. And, um, and it's a, a, not a comfortable place to sit, obviously. It's a very painful place to sit. But um, for me, it was a time of doing things extremely slow. So some of those things were like journaling. I did a lot of journaling during that time, writing letters to Pat. Patrick, his name was Pat. And, um, and also I did a lot of staying home. I can remember one night staying home and um, sitting in the evening, it was night time, and I was in the lounge room and I was rocking and crying. And um, I was praying, you know, God, just bring peace. And um, it was interesting because what happened for me then was I realised I wasn't only the only mother that night sitting rocking. That there were women all over the world in their land rooms crying and rocking for a dead child. And it was interesting because I started to pray for us all. And the peace that fell on me is beyond all understanding. And that was because, you know, I chose to do it, do it slow. I didn't rush I didn't um, allow people to tell me what to do. And so, um, you know, it's in those hard times that God comes to meet us. So if you get a speed lump, lump in your life, you know, sit on it for a bit and, and hold it and be with God and just allow God to move in with you and to just process the whole thing through him. It was just amazing, that experience. And then Fiona, lucky last. Thank you. Um, thank you, Linda. Made me want to cry. <laughs> um, I think for me, I'm naturally a very ambitious person. And I found out about 10 years ago that my body can't keep up with my ambition. So I broke my body <laughs> and um, that has, I guess, forced me to be slower than what I would like and I'm not very good at it. But a couple of things that I've learned is that I think a lot of it isn't about living slow all the time. It's about recognising when life has become so fast that it's hurting you, you're not living, you're surviving and that's 
when you need to slow down. And the real goal is to recognize that before it's happening, um, to learn what your capacity is and what your body and soul can manage and recognizing when it's time to go slower and when it's okay to be a little bit faster. Um, I think we feel like we have to be slow always and I don't think that's true. I think it is a seasonal thing. I feel like for me, becoming comfortable with having a smaller capacity and being less productive than the other people around me has been a challenge. It's really been a grief, like a grieving process where I've had to lay down my ambition. And it can be hard in a world that praises productivity and um, and success, or so that's what they see as success. Well, we had fr a friend that said, gave us this great analogy that we use a lot, which is um, you're juggling, you know, different balls, but some of them are glass and some of them are plastic. And so if you drop a glass ball, it will shatter and there will be some sort of consequence. If you drop a plastic ball, it will bounce and you can pick it up later. And so that's something that I use a lot when I need to slow down is I look at what I'm juggling and try and identify what's plastic and what's glass. What can I hand to other people? What can I put down and what really is the priority? And it's amazing how much, how often I think I'm so busy, I'm this and that. And then when I actually go through the list, 90% of it isn't really that important and I've just made a big deal about it and there's only one thing that I really have to do. Um, but that's been a game changer, you know, delegating, rescheduling appointments, just all that real basic life admin things. But it's amazing how quickly I can clear up my week if I really need to, which we learn in chaos or in a time of, you know, crisis. But, you know, we can kind of do that anytime. Um, and the other thing that I've found is really big is play. You know, being silly, intentionally wasting time. I think that is, you know, we can't just go for a holiday any, or, you know, can't just instantly just be on holiday. But it's amazing how half an hour of just silliness can be a great circuit breaker and it can kind of reset you. Um, and I find that, yeah, being silly with the people that you love, being silly on your own, just intentionally, just letting things go, even if it's just for a little while, can be great. Um, and I also find showers are really helpful because I always go in rushed and then the water calms me down and then I forget <laughs> what I'm meant to be doing <laughs> and I end up running late. Um, but yeah, water is actually also really good to keep us slow. But yeah, so I think it's our ambition sometimes that we need to let go of. If you need to laugh at something, you really should check out Dave's Instagram. <laughs> Um, or is it your Instagram, Fiona? The dinosaur one. Oh, if you haven't seen it and you need a laugh tonight, um, you really should go and have a look at that. Thank 
Um, thank you um, to everyone who shared just that those invitations that come our way, whether we want them or not, whether they're natural or interruptions, invitations that God uses to slow us down and take us deeper with him and um, closer to ourselves. And I think maybe um, just to finish in a minute, I might just give you a chance just to chat with the person next to you about what you're sensing um, this afternoon is God's invitation to you in all of this um, for your own life, bouncing out of any of those things that people have said. But before I give you a chance to... Um, to share. I'm going to just read two poems to you. Some of you might not be poetry people, but I more and more have become someone who doesn't understand but does appreciate um, poetry. And I think poetry often can slow us down in different kinds of ways because it's, it's accessing deeper things, um, talking about deeper things, things that don't just quickly come to to, the, to, the, to our understanding, we have to think about them. We have to think about the words and what's in between the words and what's under the words. Very similar to the way Jesus used parables as ways to slow people down because they were complex and they, they were difficult to understand. So I want to read two poems to you. One, um, I think I've got one up on the slide. Um, it's by David White, um, who's a great poet, still alive. Um, and this one's called Sometimes. Sometimes if you move carefully through the forest, breathing like the ones in the old stories who could cross a shimmering bed of leaves without a sound, you come to a place whose only task is to trouble you with tiny but frightening requests, conceived out of nowhere, but in this place beginning to lead everywhere. Requests to stop what you are doing right now and to stop what you are becoming while you do it. Questions that can make or unmake a life. Questions that have patiently waited for you. Questions that have no right to go away. There's only one way to get into that is by going slow. This is another one by Will Small. Um, still alive. <laughs> a lot of, lot of, there are a lot of dead poets. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a whole society of them. <laughs> no, Will, Will is a, um, a new friend from the Central Coast. Um, he uh, has a podcast called Spiritual Misfits and he'll probably be down here sharing some of his poetry with us sometime later this year. But this is one of his from his new poetry book, Poems for When the World is Ending. And I don't, I don't have it up there. It's called In Search of Quiet. I believe in the spiritual practice of silence in the same way I believe in the northern lights. Seemingly magical, otherworldly from a distance, but the journey there is long and costly, 
something for a future version of me to pursue when these southern stars align. My belief in the benefit of quiet stillness hums below the surface of a traffic-jammed heart, permanently navigating rush hours of my own creation. I always tell people, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Write a shitty poem. Pray a half-baked prayer. Believe with a limp. Practice like you're not an expert yet. And so, a quiet minute stolen here and there will not be a commodity I squander on my way to greater lights. It's good, isn't it? How about we just finish our time together this afternoon by just sharing, just again, just in ones or twos or threes, what you feel, what you sense is the invitation from God to you in our slowing down, in our corporate slowing down together this June month. But to finish our gathering this afternoon, let me just bless you as you go out from here this evening. Um, in our Wild Church liturgy, we pray, um, slow us down to the pace of your love. And my prayer for us as a community and for each of us here that are, that are present here this afternoon, that the next couple of weeks would be an experience of slowing down to the pace of God's love. That next weekend, as we enter a long weekend, that um, you wouldn't fill it necessarily with things because you have to, but you'd take time to do something that would be good for your soul and good for your spirit, whether that's something in nature or something with your family or something with friends. But you would just, you know, be present, be slow, be still, draw near to God, and yeah, just embrace the season of winter and a season of slowness and that to be dormant and to put energy into the deeper things of life is actually part of what bears fruit in different seasons. And so may we be faithful to the slow work of, of stillness and silence and slowing down in our lives. Amen. Thank you to everyone who shared. That was just really precious what you shared out of your lives. I really appreciated it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza, a beloved member of Central.